This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app. You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's paths with an S. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm Jackie P. I'm John T. So this is our second um, episode in our series on why you want to learn how to date. Um, I want to start with a story that really highlighted why I needed to learn how to date. Okay. Um, So this was in early adulthood. I was probably 20, I think I was 21. And um, I was starting to date for like adult relationships for the first time. Uh I was also brand new to recovery. I was probably like three months sober Mm. at that point. And... um, this particular date, uh, I remember I was really focused on, okay, now that I'm sober, um, you know, three months sober, like my life is completely different <laughs> and I'm ready. Now that I have a changed person at three months. I'm ready to give this gift of me to <laughs> anyone in the world who will receive it. <laughs> Who's worthy of this gift. Yeah. So I, uh, I had a job at that point where I was working for the hospitals and I drove around all day. I'd go visit patients' homes that they couldn't reach on the phone who had outstanding bills and I'd, I'd try to help them or see if we could get them qualified for public assistance mm. so they could pay their bill. Um, so to break up the day, occasionally I would stop at stores I was interested in. I'd walk in and look around or, or buy some things. Just, you know, that's what my 10, 15-minute breaks got to be. Uh-huh. So I was at a bookstore, and um, I bought something there. I don't remember what it was, but I remember I was at the, ca- the cash register, and I was thinking, like, oh, this cashier's really cute. Um, and I left, and um, I got on the phone with a friend, and... They're asking what I was doing. I said, oh, I just went here. And there was a really cute cashier. And they're like, did you ask her out? And I was like, no, I don't do that. And he's like, well, go ask her out. So I, I turn it. This is like 20 minutes later. I turn around the car and I go back to the store and I just barge in and I'm like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I was here a while ago and I was wondering if you'd want to go out with me sometime. <laughs> <laughs> and to my surprise, she's like, well, sure. Here's my number. Let's talk on the phone sometime. So she gives mm-hmm. me her number and... Probably about a week later, we have this conversation on the phone. I don't even remember what we talked about, but I remember feeling like this is completely magical and mm-hmm. we need to go on a date. So she actually gave you a real phone It was number. a real phone number. Good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. W- which, um, by the end of this date, I'm sure she was not real glad that she gave me a real phone number. But um, So I, I wanted to plan something like great, a really, really good date. Uh-huh. So I found an indoor rock climbing place because in a previous life, I did rock climbing and backpacking and never mind I hadn't done any of it for three years and I wasn't doing anything to take care of my body. Like my body was just going to be able to go up and down this 80 (laughs) foot wall, no problems. Um, So we arranged for that and uh, we went to one of my favorite burger places. Never mind that for the last three years as well, I've been having this like crazy social eating food anxiety Mm. where anytime I'd eat in public, I'd also throw up. Oh, Um, Yeah. Um, and then I thought, you know, after that, there's a new, there's a new library in downtown Salt Lake and we should, it's, it's cool architecturally. And, um, you know, we can go there and we can look at books and we can talk about books. So this is what we had planned for the evening. Mm -hmm. What could go wrong with that? Yeah. So it starts out, I go and pick her up and we have this nice conversation on the way to the indoor climbing gym and we get there and we get all harnessed up and we get to the wall and she shoots up to the top of the wall and I get about. 20 feet up and I'm shaking and I'm sweating and I have no more muscle strength. 
she goes up and down the wall probably like three or four She's times. Like, you coming? Yeah, she goes up the wall probably three or four times, and after the first like twenty foot, I'm just like, I'm not really into this. Like, I'll just watch you, and, and I'm thinking like, this is still a good date, still salvageable. Like, I'm not feeling any embarrassment at all, like I should be. Uh huh. Um, so we leave and we go we go to the burger place and um, we're we get our food and it looks really good and I take a bite and I get that feeling in my stomach and I'm like oh crap like if I eat more I'm gonna be sick and so I say I'll be right back and I go to the bathroom and like it feels like I'm gonna throw up and I I talk a lot about barf on this podcast by the <laughs> way um, and I don't throw up but I go back to the table and I'm like hey I I should let you know like I've had this like social eating anxiety and I get sick to my stomach when I eat in public. I don't know what it's about, but I'm feeling that now. So I'm not going to be eating, but like, go ahead and enjoy the burger. But I'm going to watch you eat. Yeah. I think I may have even said that. <laughs> I'm just going to watch you eat. And, um, she's like, okay. Um, so she eats and, uh, we, we go and I'm like, Hey, you want to walk down to the library? It's a couple blocks away. And she's like, sure. Um, I didn't even check to see what times the library is open. We get there and it's closed. Uh-huh. So we're walking and we're talking and I was asking her, uh, so what books do you like? And she's like, I really love the Harry Potter series. Now I'd never read Harry Potter okay. at that point. And I remember thinking in junior high, well, if this is a popular thing, it must be really stupid. And so I go off on this, like, I feel like a very informed opinion about how like, oh, Harry Potter's nice, but there's not really much substance to it. And just totally like did not get uninformed did not get any of the cues i look back now and i feel terrible i'm sure she's listening i don't even remember your name but if this is sounding familiar to you i'm sorry (laughs) and i think i'm better now um so we go back to the car and i drop her off and we never ever talk again um and i i look back at that now and i look at how like little self-awareness i had did you at the end of that date did you know you probably weren't gonna talk again yeah because did you know it went poorly i i think i did and 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 for me it was like oh it was the harry potter conversation that got it (laughs) oh it's because she's one of those fans (laughs) she doesn't know how superficial that series is right that's what i told myself i was like okay like i probably shouldn't have shared my opinion on that totally missing the rest of the evening (laughs) (laughs) totally missing that the rest of the night was a complete and utter disaster (laughs) and she was probably just looking at her watch thinking like when can i ditch this weirdo Mm. like when when can we be done um and and i look at that at the time i was like yeah i'm a whole person like I'm ready to be in a relationship and I should have known I'm in recovery. Yeah. Yeah. I should have known at that point that, um, something was up with me because I, I think I'd counted at one point I'd been on like 27 first dates and never a second date. Uh Like that was the streak. Yeah. Um, and this of course didn't break that streak (laughs) because it could be about you. Right. Well, I I looked at that and I told myself the story and my, you know, lovesick, like, Nobody gets me. <laughs> the dating pool is really rough out the, there. <laughs> the world's not ready for old John Taylor. Um, and and so, like, I, I look at that now and I realize one of the things that recovery has brought me since is a much more honed self-awareness. Mm. Not that it's perfect now, um, but there were mistakes I made in going out and dating in that way that I don't think I would ever make again. Mm. Um and there's, I think there's a lot that we have to learn from our early in recovery dating experiences. 
that if we look at that as like, here's proof of what a loser I am or here's proof of what a creep I am. I was talking with my wife last night about sharing this story and I said, I'm going to say that I was a creep. And she's like, well, will you tell people that you're not a creep anymore? Because I don't want people... Because what are they thinking about me? Right? She's like, I don't want think, people thinking I'm an idiot and that I married some creep. Um, so I'm not a creep anymore. And I'll second that, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a creep anymore. Um, but there's a lot that we have to learn from our mistakes mm-hmm. in dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of the opposite where I was a very avoidant person, which I'm sure there's a lot of those people out there in recovery who have just decided it's easier to avoid the whole thing altogether. That was totally me. Um, And I'm really grateful that I didn't stay on that course Um, because so much of the meaning and beauty and color in my life has come because of relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And deep, meaningful relationships, right? To become a deep, meaningful person who in a relationship is something I could not do and just thought, yeah, that's fine. Like I don't need that. Mm-hmm. And I, I probably, I mean, had I not gone on a different course, I probably would have thought I was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I will say that started like in high school for me, like, yeah. which isn't good. Cause that's kind of when you're starting to date. And that was pretty rocky for me. Well, you, you've talked about that, uh, that song, I'm a rock, I'm an uh-huh. island. And that was like your anthem. It, it was my, like, this is the instruction manual, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A rock never cries. Like, and I'm like, that sounds great to me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cry. I don't want to be heartbroken. I don't want any of that. Um, and so, you know, I, I mean, I enjoyed the part, like when I was getting to know somebody, right. And because I didn't date, it had to be like somebody, if I, somebody I sat by in my high school class or Mm -hmm. something like that. Right. Um, I even like, you know, during high school, my job was, I worked at a dry cleaner, no high school people come to the dry cleaners. Right. Which I look back and I'm like, except that one guy that has all of his shirts laundered and pressed. (laughs) Right. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I totally picked the job that like nobody was going to come to that. I wouldn't have to see anybody. Um, but so I might get start to get to know somebody. There was one particular, right? I had driver's ed with him. Um, I had two classes my sophomore year with him. And one was driver's ed, and then at which we like literally shared a table, right? There were two people sitting at a table, and that was our desk. And then I had like, I think it was like World Civ or something like that. And so I got to know him. We were just talking, and I thought he was hilarious, and mm-hmm. he thought I was pretty funny, which again, you know, I referred to in our last episode, like... That made me feel good about myself, and I really enjoyed that. And we were just totally getting to know each other. And and I will say, I think I I probably was flirtatious. Uh, I don't know how good I was at that, but I was probably <laughs> flirtatious. And he was definitely flirting with me, but he was not doing anything overt to mm-hmm. say, like, hey, I'm interested in you, right? It was very kind of covert, kind of just insinuated um, which still made me feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. Because it it just kept it in that realm where it was still vague. And then one day, one of his friends came up to me and said, "Hey, this guy wants to ask you to an upcoming dance, and but would you would you say yes?" And I freaked out, mm-hmm. like, and I was just like, "No," mm-hmm. which is not like, I mean. 
that you shouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) He had no context. And I wasn't giving context. I was just like, no. And the way that I said it, it was like, why would he think I would go out with him? I'm Mm -hmm. sure I came across as like, he is beneath me, Mm -hmm. which he wasn't. He was probably just slightly more popular than me. Um, and, and I totally like, that was a harsh rejection, Mm -hmm. right? And so of course his friend reported back to him that no, do not ask this girl out. She is right. And, and I was shocked the next day to show up to class and he was like, he snubbed me. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't his same playful, like funny self. And I was like, what a jerk. I'm so glad I said no. Right. And I thought that for like the remainder of that year, like I was the victim in that. And like, I seriously dodged a bullet Mm -hmm. and it was so good that I was kind of avoidant because otherwise I probably would have gone on a date with a complete jerk. Yeah. And it took me sadly into my twenties to be like, Oh, I think I was the jerk. Mm -hmm. I think I like if somebody had done that with me at that age, I my ego couldn't have handled that. Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing kind or compassionate about that. No. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, I got asked like word did not get around, but I got asked to other dances. And I think in high school, I went to two and one, both of them were what I thought were just friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they, they got on the radar, but they knew that we were friends And they knew not to push that. So I went to two dances. um, And I missed out on a lot, I think. Um, Even just a lot of fun. Just to have fun. Because I was like, we can go on this dance. And this is about this dance. But it's nothing else. Which had to, like, I couldn't fully relax and just be there. And be present on the date. You know, and and I, as I'm listening to that, I'm, I'm seeing a thread in both of our stories. Like, there was not this awareness of the present moment or even this ability to be mm-hmm. in the present moment. And I had nobody, like, I feel like with my daughters, I have tried to mentor them through that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have mentors. I like, I, I don't, I don't know what my mom thought about like why I wasn't dating mm-hmm. or like why I went on a date and then the nothing else. Or I just really didn't talk about it with anybody. Like, mm-hmm. Because I didn't feel safe. I didn't really talk about it with my older sister. I didn't talk about it with um, my mom. So, and I didn't really even talk about it with friends that much. Yeah. Um, I think I've shared before that my two friends from high school, I went to college. We went to college together and were roommates. And, I mean, they were they were good friends. And they finally stepped up and said, hey, this is what we're noticing. Mm-hmm. Like, you go on one maybe two dates with people and then it's over like and you're the one that ends that and so like we're concerned about this and we'd like to help you like figure that out and they were they were some that um I had gone on this date with a guy that I actually kind of liked but again was still in that like don't like me back um and they had spied like when he dropped me off at our college dorm um, and he gave me a hug mm-hmm. and they were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, we know the problem. And they were just like, what are you doing? Like you stand there like a statue and allow them to hug you. Like you can't wait till it's over. And I was like, 
I can't wait till it's over. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> right? And they were like, well, what are you doing while he's standing there hugging you? And I'm like, I'm counting to see how long it's lasting. <laughs> right? They were like, oh, no, 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 that's not happening. And, and so they were like, we are going to hug you. And we're going to practice hugging until you're comfortable with it. <laughs> what good friends. Right? Aren't they good friends? We're still in contact today. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I I hear some I hear some threads in that too, like, you know, that's not overt recovery or maybe even recovery that you agreed to, but that's recovery work. It, it's totally, right? And I needed people to step in and be like, because yeah. I didn't really see that. Like, I didn't think that was abnormal. Well, and this is what I want. This is what I want our listeners to get about looking at close relationships, post-addiction recovery, whether you're an addict or a spouse, like... You have put so many tools in your corner to get to the point where you are, where mm-hmm. you're stable and you're connected. Like, you have the potential to be this relationship success machine almost. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you look at the mentorship, um, these friends of yours who knew the right questions to ask, we have that built in in recovery when right. we've got good sponsors and we've got um, a connected recovery community. This ability to take uh, inventory in the moment, or at the very least, I'm aware of what's going on for me right now, and that's mm-hmm. important. And I can make I can make helpful decisions based on what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that's what successful dating, that's what successful courting, that's what successful friendship is all about. Right. Is this real time exchange between the two of us, and then people and relationships that we can take that real time exchange to, and we can learn more from it, mm-hmm. more about ourselves, more about that person, more about the relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think just that ability to have people to consult, like what a gift the rooms of recovery give us Mm -hmm. by, like you were saying, that those are somewhat built in if we will use those Mm -hmm. as those resources. Sometimes I have clients who, you know, they're active in their 12 steps. They've got sponsors. They've got a lot of people that they do stuff with from their 12 step group. And when it comes to dating, they still fly solo. Mm hmm. Right, or they'll talk about it after the fact and just say, "Oh, I went on a date. How was it? It was fine." Well, right, but they're not really opening up. And and if they'll say something, or if I'm asking as a therapist, sometimes I have to pull that out. I'm like, mm-hmm. "You're used to consulting. You're mm-hmm. used to talking about this stuff. What's happening here?" Well, I think there's so many areas of a recovery person or recovering person's life that we can still be compartmentalized in. Mm-hmm. Like. We've had conversations with Amy from Worth Recovery who we're teaming up with for these intensives about bringing recovery principles to the workplace, bringing recovery principles to dating, Mm -hmm. um, bringing recovery principles to friendships. Like, it's really robust stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you've been able to use it effectively to get sober and sane, you can use it to great effect in just about any area of your life. Right. Um, and, and that's one of the things that we're going to really be focusing on in this weekend intensive is helping you get in touch with those strengths and assets that you already have in place mm-hmm. um, and helping you to see how those are going to be used to further these healthy relationships for right. you. And knowing kind of what are the insecurities or what are the um, you know pitfalls, potential pitfalls that may come up as you get into dating. Um, And also, I mean, this is for people that may be thinking, like, in the next six months, I think that's something I would do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing that says, like, you're going to date in this intensive, Mm -hmm. right? Or leaving this intensive, you have to have a date. In fact, I think dating in the intensive would be a bit distracting. Yeah, we actually don't want that. (laughs) Um, But, right, but it's something just to kind of really understand and maybe have mentors, since neither of us really Mm -hmm. had mentors, and that would have been really helpful. Um, and, and just to be able to 
know what what potentially might come up for you that mm-hmm. might come across a certain way mm-hmm. that you don't want or that you might feel a certain way and being able to navigate that know where that comes from make sense of that so that when it comes up it doesn't quite strangle us the yeah. way that it has the potential to right yeah. and then also really understanding the value that you hold as a person um, not again kind of like you were saying like I'm this gift to the world maybe not <laughs> overvaluing yourself um, but valuing yourself so that you are approaching dating from a place of strength yeah and I, I love what you said earlier mm-hmm. that those relationships have opened up so much color and texture and mm-hmm. meaning in your life mm-hmm. um, and and to me that's the why of recovery for me. Mm-hmm. That's why I, it may not have been the reason I had in my head when I got in, but that's the reason that has made recovery stick for me is that healthy relationships feel really, really good. Mm-hmm. And that's what my recovery brings me. Right. Um, that's why I put in the hard work and to make us sober. a better person, right? Yeah. Don't your meaningful relationships. I find that my husband and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago on one of our walks and I mean he was kind of commenting and saying I just I feel like who I am today like I would be a different person had I not married you Mm -hmm. and he said and if you didn't have the job that you had he was kind Mm -hmm. of saying your job has definitely impacted me whereas my job doesn't impact you like right he's in the electrical field so it doesn't really Mm -hmm. um I mean I do enjoy a nice light fixture design but apart and from that the screws being aligned on the plates. right apart from that <laughs> i don't care so much um but you know and i was just i mean i kind of got emotional talking about it because i was mm-hmm. just like i i think it it brought me to life like mm-hmm. i look back at the life that i lived and it was so dull and yeah. so great. And I'm just like, I I can't imagine staying on that course. Well, and that's what solo recovery was for me, too. Like, before before I got into meaningful relationships, um, it was less chaotic, but it was so dull. Mm-hmm. It was so great. And, and that's one of the things, right? Some of the <clears throat> clients that I have right now who are single, um, we'll talk about. And sometimes this comes up, like, uh, maybe they're saying something, you know, like they're... Um, in recovery for alcoholism and they'll say you know i i don't want to be that like oh he's an alcoholic and so we can't drink around him like i don't want to have that impact on people right Mm -hmm. so i just have to be like everybody it's fine or you know i just how do i how do i do that so that i'm not like the killjoy at dinner right and and it's one of those, and, I, and I've and i had other clients who will talk about, like, I just don't, I don't want to leave a footprint, right? Mm-hmm. I That's kind of hammered into us, and I want to leave no footprint, right? And I'm like, it's bullshit. Like, yeah. that is bullshit. Like, we impact the people in our lives for good and bad, right? It's, we can't just say, I only want to leave a positive footprint. That doesn't happen. And I wouldn't even say with that that that's what we signed up for. That's just how it right? is. Right? And, and that's, I was telling one of my clients and I said, look, like when we get into relationships, I don't care if it's friendship, I don't care if it's recovery relationships, if it's a more committed relationship, romantic relationship, like I am agreeing to be impacted mm-hmm. by you and I am agreeing that I will impact you mm-hmm. and that can be good or bad, but I'm agreeing that like if you're hurting, that's going to get on me, Yeah. right? If you're struggling, I'm going to feel that. And that's the beautiful part of a relationship. Why would we want to keep that out? 
So if you're listening to this and you're resonating with that fear of impacting or being impacted, we need to talk. Right. Um, go to onelayerdeeper.com, O-N-E, layerdeeper.com. Send us an email at thanksforsharingpodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us through our Facebook page. This is why we're doing the work that we're right. doing. You will, you will walk away from this intensive knowing the whys and the whats and the hows mm-hmm. of those things. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ready to come to a weekend intensive, we still want to hear your story. Right. Um, we're going to call out again for your stories about dating, the good, bad, the ugly, the romantic, yeah. the hilarious. And, and if you're listening to this and getting something out of it and a story comes to your mind but you're married, or you're committed already and you're not going to be dating, still send us your story. Yeah, yeah. We, we're, we're hoping that we can share some of those these stories in the podcast. Right. Um, because I think that sense of community that I'm not the only one who's experienced this uh-huh. um, or I'm not the only one who's had a terrible date. Right, um, and to feel like there's common threads here. Like even for you, like our approaches to dating were very different, still had common threads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, So thanks for listening today. And we want to remind you at the end of this episode that your story matters. Remember, there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story with it. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths, Inc., or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I'm learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to re- to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.